one. Location, St. Andreas Hospital, Athens, Greece. April 16, 1916. It is the spring of 1916 in Athens, Greece. There are rumors of a possible end to the Great War. The war had ended the life of Dr. Timothy Nikas, a dedicated physician who tried to treat wounded soldiers from the devastating effects of shell shock. His wife, Dr. Stella Nikas Lambros, was equally passionate about helping the wounded soldiers and continuing her husband's work. That passion led her to St. Andreas, a hospital trying to heal Greek soldiers' damaged mind. Stella was a 25-year-old doctor, a smart, capable woman who stood out from the rest of her male peers. Her patients loved her, while her peers thought her behavior unbecoming a woman. Stella's zeal to find a cure for the shell shock that the soldiers suffered caused quite a few ruffles and some outright demands for her resignation by her superiors. It was the reason Stella was once again standing inside the austere office of Dr. Vangelis Canadas. Everywhere she looked, she saw brown. Everything was brown. Even the medical books behind the desk were the same shade of brown. The weathered timber flooring was a little lighter, but that was the room's extent of color. Stella was not wearing brown. Her long dress was a bright pink, a color Stella adored and one she had to hand dye. Around her neck was a colorful orange stethoscope with silver earpieces. On her feet, she wore bright purple heavy boots. A shock of white hair, the tips colored pink, was Stella's trademark. There was no one like Stella Nikas Lambros in all of Greece, or so she was told on numerous occasions. The door to the office opened, and Dr. Canadas shuffled in. A hunched-up man who looked older than his fifty years, Dr. Canadas slammed down the files he was holding, hoping to get a rise out of Stella. She didn't react. Mrs. Doctor. What? I'm not a missus. I'm Dr. Stella Nikas Lambros. Mrs. Nikas, must you interrupt me every time we talk? Don't answer that. I don't want to hear your voice. Never ask him. What did I just say? Oh, my father in heaven. Why have you brought this woman into my life? Why, God? Why? My cousin Dora is a nun, and I think she may help you. Mrs. Nikas, will you ever stop talking? My dear woman, do you know how to behave like a proper lady? Oh, goddess, you are not taking your medication today, are you? Oh. <laughs> you are going to... Quiet! Just be quiet. You bring dishonor to your family and to this hospital. You are not worthy of being called a doctor. How much longer do I have to suffer with your insolence? Must you dress like this? Stella looked down at her dress and smoothed it out before turning back to her boss and beaming at him. She put her hands behind her back and rocked on the balls of her feet. That appeared to enrage Dr. Canadas even more. He sat down heavily on his chair and shook his head. 
If only it was in your power to get rid of me. Oh, dear father. Our Lord, how much I wish that to happen. <laughs> you might want to pray to the supreme goddess instead of your god. If I had not taken a sacred oath to do no harm. I... Now, where was I? You were about to kill me or throw me off the Acropolis. Do not tempt the fates, Mrs. Nikos. Now, the reason I called you in today... Dr. Canada stopped talking and waited for Stella to interrupt him again. She stared at him with a bemused glance. Dr. Canada sighed deeply before he continued. <sighs> if you were not a protected little bird... Thanks to your marriage to the son of the esteemed Professor Nikos, we would not be having this conversation. If it were up to me, I would throw you out of this hospital. I'm sure I'm going to be losing a friend. I didn't know we were friends. Oh, how sweet. Dear God, you are going to send me to an early grave. I have a friend who needs my help. You're leaving. Oh, how sad. Is this meeting to ask me to take over your job? I'm honored. No. This meeting is to tell you that I have temporarily reassigned you to my friend's hospital. You can't. I'm making progress with the boys. Let me repeat this because you seem to be hard of hearing. I have temporarily reassigned you to my friend's hospital. Dr. Lefteri, Frankulis is a dear friend of mine, and he needs help. After this, I'm sure he will disown me for reassigning you to his hospital. But one never knows. He might like your strangeness. He is used to it. His doctors have become ill, and the hospital is short-staffed. Dr. Frankulis is eagerly awaiting your arrival. <laughs> a sanatorium for the rich? St. Gregory's is a lunatic asylum, and I'm confident you will be of use to Dr. Frankulis. I'm sure you may end up there being a patient. But that's a dream of mine that may yet come true. Are there any soldiers there with shell shock? For the first time since Dr. Canadas came into the room, Stella saw his stern face soften. They both wanted the same thing, to heal the minds of the soldiers, despite their differences. I don't know. But I'm confident you will try and ease their pain if there are. You are a strange woman, Mrs. Nikos. But I know you are a caring physician and want what is best for our boys. I'm going to cry now. You said something nice. Get out of my office. Act 2. St. Gregory's Home for the Infirm, Athens, Greece, July 1917. The early morning sunlight streamed into the room, but the occupant was wide awake. She had been awake for hours. Teresa Mitsos, affectionately known as Tessa, lay on her bed and looked up at the ceiling. Confirmation had come that despite the best efforts of her doctors, 
she was not healed. Physically, she was perfectly healthy, but mentally, she was far from well. The waking dreams, for they were not daydreams or nightmares, as everyone else usually had, invaded her mind when she was fully awake. What she saw sometimes made her chest clench in sorrow. A recurring dream was that of fire. A fire that was so destructive, it destroyed the hospital she was in. The piercing screams of those in the fire were so painfully tangible. She could feel the heat from the flames, and the frantic efforts of those who tried to get out stung her eyes with tears. A light tap on the door made Tessa turn her head and see her friend, Carl Steigler, standing there. Without a word, he entered and got into bed with Tessa. Emotionally wrought, Tessa turned and snuggled up against the sandy-haired young man. It happened again, didn't it? Was I screaming? You were calling my name. Carl, no, don't go. Carl, stop. Carl, no. Silent tears tracked down Tessa's face as she turned around and found the sketchbook that had fallen off the bed. She handed the book to Carl while she rested her head against his shoulder. Carl was her best friend, and she had told him everything about her waking dreams. He was a tortured soul just like her, and his mind was infested with hallucinations and periods of deep melancholy. His gentle nature came through in his art, a passion they both shared. Carl flipped through the sketchbook and went to the last page. It's a fire. Where is this going to be? It's going to happen to us here. How do you know? It could be anywhere. Look in the corner of the art. It looks like our window, but... Do you really think I'm wrong? That window looks out into the forest. How many times have we stood there and looked out? How many times have you told me that that tree closest to the window reminds you of a gnarly hunt? Tessa knew the answer to her questions, but she had hoped that everything she saw was a manifestation, somehow, of the electroshock therapy she had been receiving. The therapies they have tried on me don't work. In fact, they are making it worse. It has to work. I it do. will work. I have decided to have the surgery, my friend. No, you will lose yourself, Tess. You will. You won't be you anymore. Mrs. Elios uh, turned into a mindless body after she had the surgery. You're too unique, kind, and beautiful to be a mindless body. The dreams will stop. They must stop. This is the third time since my last therapy session that I've seen this dream. It's going to happen like the others have. I know it will. Just because you dream it, it doesn't mean it will happen. Things happen regardless of you dreaming about them. Uh, don't have the surgery. Tessa was sure that it was going to happen, just as she had seen in the vision. She cupped Carl's cheek with her hand. She loved his boyish charm and gentle nature, but he could turn into a raging beast, as he described himself. The torment it would bring caused him to ask to be brought to St. Gregory's home for the infirm. 
The home was a euphemistic name for a lunatic asylum on the outskirts of Athens. Carl turned a page and found another drawing. Tessa tried to take the sketchbook away from him, but he laughed and held it away from her grasp. <laughs> oh, when did you dream this? Four weeks ago. That's wondering it's not going to happen as I drew it. How do you know? Mm, Carl, she's a woman. And she's married. It's not natural to feel this way about another woman. We are in a lunatic asylum. It's, it's not natural to be locked up and given electric shocks. This is our prison. Find happiness there you can find it. If you have fallen in love with this woman... I didn't say I was in love. You just want to kiss her. You think she is attractive. Uh, would it help if I put on a multicolored wig and uh, you can kiss me? Tessa's gray eyes widened at the suggestion before the two friends laughed. <laughs> Tessa leaned over and gave Carl a gentle kiss on the lips. <laughs> no, it is not the same. Are you sure? Would you like to try one more time? Oh, you are incorrigible. Nah, I'm a man. It was worth a try like we did the other day. Um, it wasn't what I expected it to be with a man. Should I be offended? I had never been with a woman before. What about a man? What? No. What would I do with a man? I like women. You like both? No, I prefer a woman's company. Although I have never been with a woman that way. You used my body and what's left of my mind to find out if you like men? You're going to think it's silly and insulting. Need I remind you that we live in a lunatic asylum? I won't take it silly. Mm. I thought maybe my condition is caused by me being attracted to women. If I had sex with a man, I thought I could go to sleep and in the morning I would be cured. Carl sighed deeply and gazed at Tessa with a pained look. It wasn't what Tessa was expecting, and she wondered if she had hurt her friend's feelings. I am sorry I used you. I had sex with the first time, probably the last time in my life. And you're sorry? Hardly. You are a beautiful woman, and I'm a lucky bastard. No. I'm sorry you didn't get what you were expecting. If sex cured our minds, I would be happy to have sex with George. Uh, well, maybe not George, but all the women in this place, including Toothless Alice. Tessa laughed uproariously at the animated way Carl flayed his arms around himself. He started to air kiss his imaginary partner. She slapped him on the arm. <laughs> when we get out of here, I'm going to treat you to the best baklava in the world. You mean we are going to court? <laughs> Shouldn't I be the one to take you out? I think we missed a few steps in the squatting thing. But that's for another day. Now, back to you. Liking girls more than boys? Kiss whoever you want. Besides, Dr. Nikos is 
not married. She's a war widow. Tessa took the sketchbook. She smiled at her own image, kissing the most eccentric, exciting, and beautiful woman she had ever met. Stella was this petite package of intensity and fun with a vivacious personality. Tessa had never met anyone like her before, and Stella defied the abject sorrow of her surroundings. She made all the patients feel worthy of her attention beyond their medical problems. Tessa gently slapped Carl's shoulder with the sketchbook as he chortled. They fell into a companionable silence until Carl turned to Tessa. Did you mean it when you said that you would take me out to the plaza? Of course. I'm never getting out, my friend. We both know that I'm destined to die. Some of my dreams have not come true. Her, we don't know. You don't have to lie to me. I heard you calling my name to get out because the fire was coming for me. We both know it's destiny and it will happen just as you saw it. All I'm asking God is that I will live long enough to eat baklava with you at the plaza on a sunny day. Carl reached out and wiped the tears that ran down Tessa's cheeks. He kissed her tenderly and held her in his arms. She was certain her best friend was destined to die, and there was nothing she could do to stop it. Terry Franculus strode across the covered walkway, and Stella had to break into a jog to keep up with him. She yelled after him to slow down until he eventually stopped and looked back at Stella. I know you are following because I can hear the cowbell you have around your neck. You have to do that? Don't those tiny bells around your ankles and wrists signal your arrival? Stella wiped the sweat from her face with the back of her hand. In July, Athens was not a pleasant place to be, and the heat wave which bore down on the city did not endear itself to Stella, nor did anyone who made her run in the heat. Some of our guests can't hear the tiny bells. I think the dead can hear you, Dr. Nikos. Oh, no. I think I'll need a cannon for that. Follow me to the office. Dr. Frankulis turned and walked off, leaving Stella in the garden alone. She chuckled and walked up the path and cursed the heat. She knew if she made enough noise, Alexandros Koulos would not be surprised by her again. Alexandros was a wounded soldier who had returned from the Great War a shattered young man. Robbed of his sight when his unit was attacked by mustard gas and suffering from shell shock, he admitted himself to St. Gregory's. Stella had inadvertently startled him when they first met, and he had fallen on the ground screaming. Where is my boyfriend? Hey! Stella yelled hey! out and danced down the pathway, making as much noise as she could. If the dead could rise with the ruckus she was making, there would be far too many to look after. Stella shook her head at her own silliness and approached Alexandros. At the last minute, she tripped over a rock and fell to the ground. 
She dropped the cowbell that clanged to the floor. <laughs> Dr. Stella, I think my mother can hear you on Volos. <laughs> Stella laughed uproariously at her clumsiness. Alexandros held out his hand for Stella to join him. She came over and sat down beside him. Oh, you smell nice. Ooh, so do you. You smell like jasmine. My sister Tula took me for a walk through the garden. What color is your hair today? Well, I have a big streak of red in the front and a yellow streak in the back. I just couldn't decide what color to choose. <laughs> Alexandros laughed heartily and reached out to touch Stella's hair. He smiled before his hand traveled to Stella's face. His smile broadened when he felt her lips. You smile all the time, Dr. Stella. I always smile for my boyfriends, especially the handsome ones. The doctor-patient relationship was greatly overlooked at St. Gregory's, and Stella was grateful for that. She leaned over and kissed Alexandros on the cheek. Bringing joy to her patients was paramount to her. It gave them a sense that not all was lost, especially in a lunatic asylum. Stella knew Alexandros' shell shock was severe. It was the worst she had seen since she had arrived at St. Gregory's. Are you sleeping better? Uh, being in a room with snoring men does not aid in my sleeping. Mm. I'm going to suggest to Dr. Kevalos when he gets back that you should be moved to your own room. I know it's difficult, and you can't shut up the other boys. I would like that. Good. Now, I have to go and annoy Dr. Frankulis. <laughs> Alexandros laughed as Stella walked away. She took off the bells on her feet and wrists and removed the cowbell when she entered the building. Alerting patients that she was heading their way was suitable for shell-shock patients, but not for those suffering from hysteria. Stella was ushered into Dr. Frankulis's office by his secretary. She stood before him and played with her bright pink stethoscope. They usually didn't come in that color. Stella had taken it upon herself to have multiple stethoscopes in various shades that matched her dyed hair. It was highly amusing to the patients and irritating to everyone else. The staff considered her an oddity, but she didn't care what they thought as long as she could bring a smile to her patients' faces. Dr. Kevalos will not be coming back to us. Is he still sick? Not anymore. He died last night. A bad case of influenza. I have spoken to Dr. Canadas, and he has agreed to have you work here now that we have a vacancy. Uh, hmm. Do you not want to work here, Dr. Nikas? Oh, I do, but... Uh... Dr. Canadas didn't indicate it was going to be a problem if you transferred here. Oh, I am sure he is thrilled I won't be gracing his hospital again. Dr. Frankulis gazed down at her over the top of his glasses. She barely resisted the temptation to lean over and give them a nudge up his nose. I'm not sure why Dr. Canadas isn't putting up a fight over this move. I suspect it's because you are so unique. Crazy is another word for it. We do not use the word crazy in this hospital. No one is crazy. No, sir, uh, I won't use that word again. Stella felt contrite. Dr. Frankulis's compassion for his patients was genuine. His tireless effort to help was one of the reasons she wanted to continue working at the hospital. 
Helping wounded soldiers was her long-term goal, but the patients at St. Gregory's were now her priority. I didn't mean anything by it. I, I was just describing myself. You are not a lunatic. You are a unique, albeit unorthodox, physician. You care about those who are not sound of mind, and our patients love you. It is why I wanted you to join us here at St. Gregory's. Thank you, sir. I know Dr. Candidus well. He doesn't like doctors that don't conform to his idea of what a physician should look like, especially a woman doctor. <laughs> I believe you genuinely care for your patients. You may go now. leaned against her room's wall while her sister, Daphne, was remonstrating her decision to undergo brain surgery. Daphne's ongoing battle against Tessa's decision was soon to end. Tessa had decided to go ahead with the dangerous surgery, and no one was going to change her mind. Darling, you haven't thought this through. I am possessed, thee. You are not possessed. If you were, the exorcism would have worked. It didn't. I am cursed like Auntie Erica. She ended up in a place like this. Auntie Erica ended up in a lunatic asylum. And trust me, this is not a lunatic asylum. You are in a hospital. If you call a cow a donkey, isn't the cow still a cow? You're extraordinarily stubborn. Mama and Papa agree with me. I disagree. I don't want to lose you. I can't go on like this. It's all a vision. It was a dream. You're just anxious. No, Dee. It was a vision. I was wide awake, and I could hear everything outside of my room. I was not sleeping, and I did not have a dream. It was a vision of a massive fire that engulfed the entire building, and I heard my friends' cries for help. Do you believe me? I believe you had a dream, and... Stop, please, believe me. This will happen like all the other visions that happened, as I saw them. If you're right, how will removing a piece of your brain stop it from happening? I don't want to see the future. I don't want to know who will live or die. I'm scared you're going to die if they do the surgery tests. I'm afraid my best friend is going to disappear. I am not going to die. You will see this will work. And once I'm out of here, we can plan your wedding. Excuse me? Who am I getting married to? The boy you've been secretly meeting and not telling anyone about, not even your best friend. Daphne smiled broadly and brought her sister in for a hug. She wiped Tessa's tears and gave her a kiss on the cheek. I don't know who you're talking about. You are a terrible liar. He's that cute shepherd boy that is working in Papa's field. I saw you kissing him. I have not kissed him. Well, not yet. A pick on the cheek is not kissing. Mm, I thought in a vision. Clear as day. Oh, now you're doing me up kisses. You should kiss your friend Carl. I like that boy. Mm, we have already kissed. Teresa Eremitos. Oh, when did this happen? Last week. 
Carl is a kind and gentle when he isn't having his bad days. I'm sure Dr. Francudis will heal of him his bad days soon. He's a German boy, and I'm sure Oma Teresa will be thrilled at having a German boy in the family. I am not marrying Carl. He's a gentle soul, but... But has he asked you? Oh, we kissed. It's not like he's going to Papa to ask for my hand in marriage. We're in a lunatic asylum. You don't fall in love and get married here. Even if he did ask, which he won't, there is another problem. He won't survive the fire that is coming. Has everything you've seen in these visions happened? Sometimes things happen quickly, and other times they don't. But eventually, they do happen. <sighs> Look at the sketches. Daphne looked through the sketchbook as Tessa watched her. Her face betrayed her thoughts the more sketches she saw. Tessa leaned over and flipped to the page of the drawing she wanted to show Daphne. I drew this art of Andreas two years ago. I saw his death two years before it happened. Daphne didn't say a word, but kept perusing the drawings. Tessa's heart started beating a little faster when she thought she had forgotten to remove the Stella kissing artwork. But Daphne found a picture of Carl with a smile on his face instead, and Tessa sighed with relief. Daphne closed the book and put it aside. You are a gifted artist. You're bright, beautiful, and talented. Please, don't have this surgery. I don't want you to leave me. Mama and Papa agree with me. The surgery is set for the day after my birthday. I want to be normal, Dee. Act 5. Stella entered the ward but didn't go further than the front doors. She stopped and waited. Moments later, her patient George appeared. Hark! Who goes there? It is I, Dr. Stella of Arsala. May I enter the city, kind sir? Your colors are red today, Dr. Stella of Arsala. What happened today in ancient Rome? Ah, uh, let's see. Hmm. Ah. Uh. On this day, in 455 AD, the Roman military commander, Evitas, is proclaimed emperor of the Western Roman Empire. Hail to the Roman emperor, Evitas. You may enter. <laughs> How are you today, George? Is everything all right in your kingdom? I am well and hearty. That's what I am. Well and robust. Mr. Antonius of Lamia got some kick today, which he shared with me. It was wonderful. Dr. Lafteri gave me a picture of a Roman centurion to add to my collection. Miss Teresa of Larissa is being visited by her sister, Miss Daphne. George gave his report and walked away, and Stella watched the kind-hearted man and sighed. She waved to patients of the East Wing on her way to seeing Miss Teresa of Larissa. It was set out like all the other hospital wards. However... There were individual rooms for those families who had the money to pay for a single room for their loved one. Stella approached the room she was looking for and looked inside. Greetings, my fellow Roman. 455 AD, Evitas is now emperor, and all is right with the world. I hear you have a visitor. We don't need a newspaper since we have George. Hello, I'm Dr. Stella Nikas, or as Tessa likes to call me, Dr. Nikakas. Oh, stop! 
I only did that once. I, this is my sister, Daphne Mistos. Yes, you were a little drug at the time, and you are right. Pleased to meet you, Miss Mitzos. The famous Dr. Nikas. My sister talks about you in her letters. It's nice to meet you. Oh, dear. And the subject in letters. Goodness. It's nice to meet you, too. I was taking care of Tessa while her doctor was away. I just stopped by to wish her a happy birthday for tomorrow. You're delightful and colorful. I've never seen anyone look so bright before. I thought Tessa was joking when she said you have pink or red streaks in your hair. Do you always stop by and wish your former patients well on their birthday? Is that part of the service? I stop by and see how my patients are faring. I add another streak or two. It brightens the day and makes me happy. Stella turned around and everyone chuckled at seeing the gray streak added to the back of her hair. She smiled and felt the warmth in her face from the attention. She cleared her throat and put her hand in her coat pocket. She removed a packet wrapped in bright yellow paper. She felt uncharacteristically shy as she gave the package to Tessa. Um, hmm. uh, happy birthday. It's just some coloring pencils. Thank you. Oh, that's so kind of you. Yes. Hmm. All right. Uh, now nice to meet you, Miss Mitzos. Stella did an about-face and headed out of the room as quickly as she could. She muttered to herself that she was indeed crazy and took a deep breath. Being so close to those gray eyes was making her feel more than a little lightheaded. It had to be the hot weather and those gray eyes. later, Stella left Aliki Stavros's room and walked into brilliant sunshine when she opened the courtyard door. She smiled on remembering Tessa's beaming smile and how it lit up her gray eyes. She hadn't felt this way about another woman for many years. Timothy had stolen her heart, and her days of courting women were over. She vowed never to fall in love with anyone else after Timothy had died. The goddess was having none of that and brought Tessa into her life. It was a reminder from the goddess that the heart can still flutter, even when we try to build walls around it. With a chuckle, Stella pushed herself off the wall and almost immediately took a step back. Oh, goddess, this is hot. If I believed in hell, this is what it would be. Stella adjusted her hat and set off on her mission to get to the other side of the hospital grounds. Sitting on a bench nearby was Daphne Mitsos. Stella looked around and saw that no one else had been daft enough to stay out in the sun. Miss Mitsos, are you all right? Please, call me Daphne. Can we talk? Not out here, or I'll roast in the sun. Let's go inside. Stella led Daphne down the walkway and into the building, which was much cooler. They found an empty room and entered. Stella closed the door and sat down on the empty bed. Is there something on your mind? It's about my sister's surgery. What are they going to do? The doctor did explain it to us, but I want your opinion. Oh, you want my opinion? I'm not a surgeon, but I can tell you what little I do know. They will remove part of her brain. What happens to her after that? Don't give me the speech you get the patient or the family. 
Tell me what you would say to another doctor. Patients undergoing this surgery will lose the use of one hand and an eye on the side of their body opposite to where the surgery has been performed. Oh, it sounds like they damaged the person. You are damaging the person the goddess created and are removing part of their brain, but it has been known to work. Can I ask you for a favor? My sister is 19 tomorrow. As a special treat, could you please take her out to the garden? I know they don't allow patients to walk out, especially those about to have surgery. It would mean so much to her if you could take her out, perhaps in a wheelchair. You want me to take your sister out in this heat? Yes. The garden is a beautiful spot, and I would like her to experience it for a final time. Your sister will still experience everything after this surgery, except... Please, Dr. Nikas, I am begging you to take her out into the garden. I can arrange for an orderly to take her out. No, I want you to take her out. You have mentioned in every letter Tessa had written to me. She thinks highly of you, and I know you are a caring person. Could you take her out for some dessert? She has a sweet tooth. It would mean so much to me. Knowing she enjoyed her birthday, I know there's a lovely little cake shop near the hospital. You want me to take your sister out of the hospital grounds? I can't do that, Miss Mitzos. Not that I don't want to, but the door is locked and I don't have the key. It's locked so we can protect our patients from wandering off and hurting themselves. Hmm. What if the gate was accidentally left open? That gate is never open. It can't accidentally be left open. My sister tells me you like to break the rules. And I can see she tried. If it's open, can you go through it and then close it on the way out? I'm a rule breaker, but never when it comes to the safety of my patients. I will not put my patients in danger. Tessa is not a danger to herself. We both know that. She likes you, and she doesn't trust a lot of people, but she trusts you. Please, it's only for a few hours. It is Tessa's birthday. I know she's a harm to herself, and I'm confident Dr. Frankoulis will berate me for doing this. If I'm asked why I'm wheeling a patient out of the grounds, I will need a letter from the family giving me permission. Without that letter, I can't do it. Daphne smiled and opened her handbag. She fished out an envelope and gave it to Stella. Stella opened the envelope to find a letter addressed to the hospital. It was the letter giving Stella permission to take Tessa out of the hospital. Daphne also handed her another envelope. Stella took it and was surprised and deeply offended to find money in it. She shook her head and gave it back. I don't want your money. You don't want money to buy my sister a cake? Cakes are not gold-encrusted. I'm happy to take your sister out if the gate is accidentally left open. I don't want money, Miss Mitzos. I find it offensive you think I'm that kind of doctor. I know exactly what kind of doctor you are, Dr. Nikas. And that is why I approached you. The money was a test to see if I can be bribed? I'm thinking less of you the longer we speak. My sister is never wrong about people. She did say you were not shy about speaking your mind, and I like that in people, Dr. Nikas. Yet you tested me to see if I would take your bribe. That doesn't sound like trust to me. You are not like any doctor I have ever met, and you intrigue me. I can see why my sister likes you. Thank you for taking her out on her birthday. 
and let her eat as much cake as she likes. It may be the last time she's out and enjoying herself. Act 7, July 10th, 1917, Tessa's 19th birthday. Stella was true to her word. She entered the ward dressed as a clown, replete with a red nose and multicolored hair, which wasn't a wig, but her own, and a wheelchair. Tessa accepted the ride on the wheelchair, and they both left the confines of the ward and went into brilliant sunshine. I love the garden, and it's such a beautiful day. Your sister asked me to take you out so you can enjoy your birthday. Goddess, it's hot. I love hot weather. Yes, you are also the one having brain surgery. No sane person loves hot weather. Tessa laughed and looked up at Stella, who had chosen to color her white hair blue, yellow, purple, green, and pink for her birthday. Her coat was a blinding shade of orange. They quietly made their way back to the garden, where the flowers were in bloom, and a large tree afforded them shade. They sat in silence for a moment before Stella got up and took hold of the wheelchair. Are we going back so soon? No. I just noticed that someone has left the back gate open. Oh, can't you close it without taking me out in the sun? I've got an idea. I'm in the mood for some cake. Would you like some? An open gate puts you in the mood for cake? I don't think Mrs. Margitis even knows how to make any. That's all right. We don't have to ask the scariest cook I've ever met. I have a better idea. Are we going back inside? No. We are going outside to look for some. I'm in the mood for some delicious Revani. Stella pushed the wheelchair down the pathway. She knew if she stepped through the gate, she was going to be breaking the rules, even if she had Daphne Mitzos' permission. A little time away and some cake wasn't going to change anything, and no one would miss them. Are we going to sit here watching the gate? No, we are not. We are getting our delicious dessert. Stella pushed the wheelchair beyond the gate. She momentarily left Tessa and went back and locked the gate. Tessa watched her go, and before she said anything, she lapsed into a dream state. Dr. Nikas. We're not in the hospital grounds now, Tessa. You can call me Stella. I don't understand. Why didn't we stop at the cake shop? Aren't we going in? Not to the cake shop, but we are going to my apartment, which is just around the corner. It's a lot cooler. I hate being outside in this heat. Stella hummed as they made their way down the street. It didn't take them long to arrive at the apartment. They were about to enter the front door when Stella's neighbor came out. Ah, it's you, Stellaki. I was wondering who it was. Who is this beautiful lady? Oh, <laughs> hello, Mrs. Papas. Uh, this is my sister-in-law, Tessa Lambros. She's visiting me from Larissa. So lovely to meet you, Miss Lambros. Have a nice day, Stellaki. Tessa got out of the wheelchair as soon as they entered the apartment. 
The living room was exactly as she had imagined Stella's home to be. It mirrored her personality and was an explosion of color everywhere. A massive bouquet of brightly colored flowers was the centerpiece of the dining room. To Tessa's surprise, the art she had drawn and given to Stella was fixed to the wall. Photographs of what Tessa assumed was Stella's family lined the fireplace mantel. Tessa stopped in front of a picture of Stella with her husband, both in their army uniforms. Tessa looked back at Stella, who had gone into the kitchen. Why did you tell your neighbor that story? The plan was to take you out for some cake, not my apartment. It won't matter in a few hours. I made some Revani last night, and I thought it would be more enjoyable here. You made it? You're so busy, and you make a cake for my birthday? It's your birthday. Of course I made it for you. It wasn't any trouble at all, and I love Revani. Stella turned to show Tessa her cake tin with the dessert, and she found Tessa standing right in front of her and smiling broadly. Tessa picked up a small slice of cake and put some in her mouth. Stella's face creased in a beaming smile on seeing the joy in Tessa's face. Oh, you really like that. Tessa nodded and gazed into Stella's black eyes, which crinkled in delight as she took the cake tin from Stella's hands and put it back on the bench. I think you really don't want cake right now, do you? Not really. Not at this moment. Just to be clear, the Ravani can wait, right? Uh-huh. Stella brushed her fingers across Tessa's soft lips. Tessa smiled before she leaned in and captured Stella's mouth in a passionate kiss. Tessa's vision ended as she sat in the wheelchair. Stella was talking about something. Tessa bowed her head and smiled. She could still feel Stella's soft lips on her own. Are you all right? Is the heat getting to you? No, I am fine. You're looking a little flushed, but we can go and eat some delicious cake if you are feeling well. I have been longing for dessert since this morning. Looking forward to it. So am I. You have no idea how much I want that. Tessa looked up at Stella and laughed at the absurdity of a clown pushing a wheelchair down the road. If this was going to be the last vision she would ever have, it was one she would savor for a long time. <laughs>